0: Ahoy there! Welcome or welcome back to the Uncomfortable Is Okay podcast. I'm your hostess with the mostess, Chris Desmond. This is a community where we explore the science, the stories and the strategies of getting out of your comfort zone so we can find where the magic happens for us. Today I'm chatting with a brave young lady, uh, Renee Kerry from Wellington. Uh, Renee has been through a significant amount of stuff in her relatively short life. Um, a lot of which we're, we're going to have a chat about today. And currently she's waiting on her fifth brain surgery. So at the moment she's, she's really telling a story, uh, uh, about what it's been like to go through this and what she has learned from, from going through this, this process. I was pretty stoked that I got to speak with Renee about it. Some of the things that we converse about today are going through and navigating identity shifts uh, based on how our physical capacity changes over time. Uh, learning how to be proud of yourself and why that's so important. Learning how to build trust in yourself um, and how to kind of progressively go and build, build trust that you can uh, approach a, a whole range of different situations, some of which you've you've never encountered before, um, and the concept of self-love to get you through those tough and uncomfortable times. Uh, before we kick off the episode, we're still supported at the moment um, by the guys over at How to Make Simple Videos, which is a a great opportunity for you guys. So some of you guys will remember my mate Will Fleming. Um I appeared on his podcast a while back, Willosophy. He came and appeared on my show as well, back in episode 70, I think it was, which is an awesome chat if you wanna if you want to go back and have a listen to that. Um he's just released a pretty awesome course all about how to make simple but professional videos. So you see all these videos online and you think, man, I wish I could do that, but it's a little bit scary. It's a little bit uncomfortable. This kind of walks you through the process. Um, So if you head over to the Uncomfortable is Okay" Facebook page, you'll see my first attempt at a video. There's room for improvement, I'll I'll be honest, but I'm looking forward to making some more uh, and improving my skills on them. So at the moment, for listeners of the show, the guys at howtomakesimplevideos.com are offering a hundred bucks off the course to listeners of the show. Um, they also kick us a little bit of commission on on that too, so you'll be supporting the uncomfortable is okay community as well. So just head over to dub dub dot and enter the discount code uncomfortable at checkout to get your hundred bucks off. That's dub dub dub. How to make simple videos.com and enter the code uncomfortable. Uh, and again, just before we start, another little heads up for you guys. A couple of weeks ago, when I appeared on the It's No Secret with Dr. T podcast, uh, the host of the show, Tyson Franklin, challenged me to start bringing out a couple of mini episodes. So the first one is coming out this friday uh, and it's it's talking about what your comfort zone actually is uh, and what that what that looks like it's going to be a 5 minute episode so keep your eyes peeled for it it'll be out on friday it's going to be a little bit of a short bite um a little bit of a snippet with some information hopefully educational maybe even entertaining i haven't recorded it quite yet so we'll find out um So I'm definitely going to do the six weeks leading up to Christmas and hopefully push on with that afterwards um, if you guys are, are enjoying it. But that's enough preamble. Thank you guys very much for getting uncomfortable with Renee and I today. podcast it's cool to sit down with you today how are you good thank you excellent excellent um can you give me and the listeners a little bit of background about yourself where are you from where did you grow up were there any kind of big experiences when you were younger that sort of shaped you as a person today
1: uh yeah sure i grew up on the carbony coast with my mother and one of my brothers i grew up playing sports mainly. I'm a very active person, love sports, love fitness. Um, pushing myself to the limit, I've always pretty much done. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I have two older brothers. I guess my challenging and driven side is to be up there with them and follow them. Yep. That's where that comes from.
0: Had that Was that kind of predominantly... a. Uh, physical push of yourself or were pushing yourself in other areas as well
1: no mainly physical you yeah. know if they did jumps on their bikes i want to do a jump yeah, on my bike yeah. so yeah. um yeah i didn't really get the chance to experience all the girly girly little things
0: are you disappointed in that <laughs> you don't sound too disappointed <laughs>
1: Now I am cuz I struggle.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I struggle
1: with certain girl things, especially makeup. Not yeah. I just can't get that down pat. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so I grew up on the little carpet coast there. Um not I had a really really good childhood. Like my upbringing was incredible. Mm-hmm. Although my um mother was a single parent with three kids. Um and we grew up quite poor. Like you just I don't know, just all I remember was just getting in the backyard, getting dirty, you know, just trying to find our own own fun. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, again, saying that, I really had a really good upbringing. So nothing at at a young age really shaped me to the person I am. Um, If anything did, it's to be thankful for what I I have Um, and just the little things are really important. Because mm. we didn't have a lot. We didn't have a lot of, you know, we didn't have flash cars. Sometimes we didn't have a car at all. Um, so, yeah, it's just appreciating the little things yeah, in yeah. life. Cool. Yeah.
0: So you built a, like a, almost a really healthy gratitude uh, practice or concept within yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah, yep. definitely, yeah. Um, yeah, and it was probably – so about the age of uh, about 16 – when I was in uh, college, I started developing, um, I got quite sick quite a lot. I've I suffered a lot from, um, just stomach pains, ovarian pains, back pains, and I had no idea what it was. I would lost a lot of energy. Um, I still tried to keep up with sports, but now I'm like, I went from playing four sports to just one. Um, my parents and my family thought that I was gluten intolerant they thought that I was dairy intolerant so I cut out everything cut out sugar growing up as a kid and then I lost a lot of weight and at college at the about seven at age 17 I got I didn't get bullied as such but I got um, I got people talking about my weight and rumors that I had an eating disorder and um, that didn't really bother me as such, because I knew that I wasn't, I didn't have that, I didn't have an eating disorder, I wasn't bulimic or anything, it was just that I was in so much pain, and I didn't have the energy to do certain things that I wanted to do, so I used to just stay in bed, um, so yeah, and then.
0: How did that, um, how did that affect you, going from someone that really pushed your limits physically Mm -hmm. and played four different sports and (laughs) then going, going from that to a, not being able to do that stuff.
1: Yeah, it was, um, it was definitely hard because obviously pushing yourself physically, there's a huge mental aspect to it all. Mm -hmm. Um, so my mind was because my body couldn't, go as, as far as I wanted to, my mind was, like, very against it. So it was, it was more like, you know, what are you doing? Get out of bed, go for a run, go play the sport. You, you used to play four sports and now you can only play one. Like, what's going on? So I questioned my, my not only my physically, like, physic, physical ability a lot, but also mentally as well was quite, um, it was, yeah, that was it was a huge challenge because I had my passion right in front of me and my mind really wanted it, but my body didn't. Mm-hmm. so that was that yeah that was that was tough um yeah and then I think it was about the age of 20 so I went off and studied travel and tourism um, and then at the age of 20 I fell pregnant and um, when I was going through all of that that really rocked me a little bit because um, I Obviously, wasn't planned. wasn't really for kids at age twenty. Mm. Um, and then I was suffering a lot of pain. I um, just in turn, like, just my stomach and my ovaries again was just horrific. I couldn't, I couldn't stay awake. And when I got ultrasound, uh, they couldn't actually find the embryo. And then they were worried that I was going to have ectopic pregnancy. Uh, me being me ignored the whole fact and I was like oh yeah I'll just go off and do life I'll still go play sport." and then I ended up in hospital a week later and um after examination internal external scans um I got told that I did have ectopic pregnancy and within two hours I was rushed into theatre and I got my fallopian tube removed um and then, also, after the surgery, they told me that I had a very dodgy-looking cyst in my ovaries, which I also had cut out. Um, at the time at of... At the time of the surgery, yeah. 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 They thought it's best to remove it, mm-hmm. um, and which they did. And then, um, they also said that my my ectopic pregnancy was to a point that... Um, it opened and the blood rushed onto my pelvic area. So I had a bubble of blood on my pelvic area. So when I came out, I had a drain connected uh, to the top of my pel- pelvic area and it was just draining out. So I was in hospital for about a day or two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't necessarily want to worry anyone or tell anyone.
0: So, did anyone know that you'd gone into a hospital for this?
1: Uh, the the person that I was with did. Yeah. Um, and my, I rang my father as I was getting wheeled in to the operating theatre. Mm-hmm. So I, I went through the pain for about two weeks, um, two to three weeks, and I told my mum two days before I had surgery, and my dad two hours before I had surgery. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Why did you? Why did you leave it so long to get to that point?
1: Um, I, I, I was, I was so in shock, and I, I really didn't know what to do. I was only twenty years old, mm. and I, I, I guess, my, I didn't want to disappoint anyone. I didn't want to disappoint my family at all, um, and then also I didn't want them to be worried.
0: Yeah, what did you think they'd be disappointed in?
1: I oh, just small facts. Honestly, I honestly wouldn't actually know, to be honest, because yeah. if, just... if I put myself in their position and mm. you know, I had a daughter that went through that, I would want to know because, you mm. know, that's just what parents yeah.
0: do when they support their child, yeah. and which they did. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting as well, I think, that um, a lot of the things that we worry about, kind of looking back on them in hindsight, mm. we just kind of think, actually... I was so worried about yeah. that. Yeah. Like I needed, uh, like I would have really benefited from some support yeah. in, in that situation. And yeah. like these people that love me were are, are going to give it to me yeah. with it. But it's, it's really challenging sometimes when we get ourselves to, in that kind of that state of worry yeah. to actually, as we, as we talked about before we started recording is mm. just to kind of start that process and yeah. start going going into that and um now hindsight's a wonderful thing yeah yeah. at at the time and I've hijacked your story a little bit there I'm I'm sorry but um yeah I was just I was just interested in that um so you you'd come out of surgery and you were uh, and a few people knew yeah at that point in time what happened from there
1: so the moment I woke up my father was by my bed so my, my father lives about... He lives in that So So while I was having surgery, he drove all the way down. And, yeah, I woke up and he was sitting right next to me, holding my hand, which was, for me, was such a relief because, yeah, the whole scenario that we just talked about, about, you know, them being worried or disappointed completely, I was so, so wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, and then... Yeah, and then I just went on and I, I really struggled after that. I didn't show it. Um, mm-hmm. Just on my own, I really struggled about it because I've always wanted to be a mother. And mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, maybe it wasn't my time, but it was, you know, it was, it was hard. It was, it was like I was grieving for from a, from a loss, mm-hmm. in which it was. Um, but again, I just tried to move on and continue my life. Um, I then moved to Australia and I became a nanny for a lovely family over on the Gold Coast. Um, and I lived with my cousin who supported me throughout everything and anything pretty much. And I remember we were going and getting Phoebe one day and I kept thinking about the pregnancy and also the guy that I was with it finished. So that was also another thing that, um, I struggled with and I remember getting food and I sat down and I was like I said to my cousin I think I might get professional help I think I might go talk to someone just to you know vent and and just talk about the situation and he turned around and goes you don't need to do that because you've got us and it was, it's, it's such a beautiful thing that he said that. And it is. It's My family are incredible like that. Mm. And I think obviously I get that trait from them. Um, so I, I never received, I never went in, and I was like, okay. And he, he helped me throughout the area of my life, um, in which I got sick in Australia again. And they found that I had cysts, again, on my ovaries, um, and also the medication that I was on. Um, was quite high, and it actually stripped the lining of my stomach. Um, my, then my family flew me home, and I went and continued to do work, um, but I think I pushed myself a little bit, and I was still on these medica- this medication that I was taking. And what happened was it actually inf- the top part of my stomach was inflamed, and then I got internal bleed, and I ended up in hospital. Again, had to go through that whole scenario of, you know, seeing the, the beautiful white four walls of a, of a room for a while.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and then getting prodded and prodded at and examined and scanned. And, it, yeah, it just went on for about two years, so about when I was 23. Um, yeah. Mm. And then so that I continued to work full-time while undergoing just a few, um, checkups and just a few more, making sure that, um, everything was okay. And then at the age of 23, I suffered from headaches and, um, I was, I had a headache and I kept getting these acute stabbing pains in my head. And I was sitting there and I was like, Oh, that's not normal. (laughs) There's something going on there. And, um, my partner at the time I told him and he was like, you know, maybe you should go to the doctors. And I was like, nah.
0: <laughs> this is a recurring thing I here. there. I, I
1: was like, nah, no, will be good. It's just going to last for like a few days. Um, and then, so at that, sorry, at that time I was studying psychology, yeah, health science and psychology, because okay. I find people very interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: They're fascinating.
1: Yes, they are. Um, so yeah, I was at uni, and we were sitting in the library and I got up and I, we were heading to the car and I was, cause I'm very passionate about boxing and I was going to boxing training and I stood there in the middle of the car park and my partner goes to me, what are you doing? I was like, I don't know whether to go boxing or go to the hospital.
0: <laughs> I think if, yeah, if you're asking that question, <laughs> then yeah. It's probably a right answer <laughs> yeah. to that one. <laughs>
1: and he was just like, obviously the hospital. Mm. Um, so I was very gutted that I was going to miss my, my <laughs> passion again, you know? Yeah, yeah. Something that's in front of me and I can't touch. Um, so I went to hospital. I had a very good doctor and she gave me a CT scan. Overnighted, guy came in and goes, you're clear. I was like, oh, sweet, okay, just a headache. Left, went home, and it sounds funny, but I decided I wanted to play PlayStation. So I played PlayStation.
0: Was this like middle like... of the night? or No, it was
1: like during the day. Okay. I had a day off, yeah, and, you yeah, know, and, yeah. I was, and my partner was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do some study. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to play Tomb Raider. Yeah. <laughs> So I pulled out the PlayStation, and I played it for like four hours because I was so determined of getting past the same Is this
0: another uh, example of pushing yourself to <laughs> yeah, your yeah, limits? Yeah, except yeah, except it's yeah.
1: not physically, it's just <laughs> mentally now yeah, yeah, the yeah. game. Yeah, with Lara Croft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, And my phone was on charge, and I went into the, into the room, and I had four missed calls from an unknown number mm-hmm. and a message. Checked the message, and it was a guy that the radiologist... Radiology, radio yeah, yeah, radiologist. radiologist. Yeah, he rang me and left a message. He was like, "Hey, Renee, it's so and so from radiology. Just wanted to let you know. Oh, um, we have found something in your scan. We do need you to come back into hospital. Um, if you want to give us a call before you come in, or just pres- uh, just um, come into the emergency department, someone will see you." And at that time, my heart dropped. I was like. Oh my! There's something going on in my brain. Something's happening, and I I cried for the first time, for a very long time about it because I had no idea what was going to happen. I yeah, it was. I was in I was in complete darkness. I was just yeah. Went to hospital, and then they told me that I had a cyst in the middle of my brain, and I was okay. what are you going to do about it? Pretty much, and they were like, "Well, we see we never operate on these cysts. Quite common in people, um, and but because you've come to the emergency department with all these symptoms, you know, we've we've got to keep an eye on it and whatnot. And the next, so the next four weeks, I want you to undergo this headache treatment. Um, drug, obviously, a lot of drugs, pretty much. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do that. And I remember turning to my partner at the time I was like this is going to be the hardest four weeks you know we've got to get through this <laughs> we're going to be good and th- honestly I'm still waiting for that four weeks to end <laughs> and it's two years later mm-hmm. um so yeah and then I went on treatment went on drug trials for six months and then they put a ICP monitor in my head which calculates your intracranial intracranial pressure. Intercranial pressure. Inner, yeah, 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 yeah. That one. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So I had that. That was my first op, and I was in hospital for about a week, and they were still not okay to operate. So I had to go through more drugs, and I'm I've, I'm quite sensitive to drugs. I'm allergic to codeine, morphine, um, tramadol. So that I'm I do not have a lot of options there. So they give you a drug, then when you get symptoms of that drug, they give you another drug. Then you get symptoms of that drug, then they give you another, you know, so it was like a cocktail of drugs pretty much. So I was on medication for about six to eight months. And it was yeah, that was that was tough because I'm not a big fan of, of medication. Through that time I lived with migraine, stabbing pains, loss of vision, um, lower body weakness. Um, I also had pins and needles in my hands, my feet and my face for six months of that. Um, I couldn't work out. I was hospitalized probably three times a month at the least. And then uh, another surgeon came on board and he decided, yeah, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go in and I'm going to pop pop it. I was like, okay, cool. And um, so we went off and he, I went off for my second surgery was to get it popped and drained. And what actually happened was in my second surgery, he went in and um, he actually found that my brain was blocked. So the cyst was actually blocking my sabrenal slung fluid that flows and he was like oh okay that's you know that didn't show up in the scan and they only said to me that we'll only operate if your brain's blocked oh, mm-hmm. okay which it never showed so he cleared that away and then he decided to put a put a bypass in another area of my brain to allow the fluid to flow around there and then he went to go back to the cysts and pop it but as he approached my cyst, his cameras blacked out. So he had no idea. He had no idea where he was in my brain. And he was like, oh, do I just go for it? Do I not? And he decided to pull out because it was just too unsafe. Mm. Um, so, yeah. And so that was the second part of my operation, the uh, second operation. And, um and then I still lived with symptoms. Nothing changed from that. So he we went in for the third time and he popped it. And I came out of that surgery. I came out and I was like sitting up, had an ice block in my hand, had a smile on my face. And I've never felt such relief in my life. It was the most incredible feeling I've ever felt.
0: Mm-hmm. And... What did it What did it feel like for you?
1: Painless. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Um... My energy levels were, like, through the roof. Just happiness, freedom. Mm. Um, I had... I, I was just felt limitless. Like, I had so many things that I wanted to do and that I, would, I could do. Yeah. You know? So, I I ran at life after that. I was, yeah. like...
0: So, you're like Bradley Cooper in that movie. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Chewing on those bag of pills or whatever <laughs> they are, right? Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, yeah, I... I would give up my arm to feel that moment again. It mm-hmm. was it was something that I yeah I thought I would have never experienced. Yeah, it was just incredible.
0: How um, long did that hang around for?
1: Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go with two months. Yeah, yeah. So and it was again. I got into my passion again. I got into boxing. I got into yoga. I then, because I didn't work for two or for about a year and a half, um, I decided to look for a job, and that was the scariest thing mm. because I went from this for a year and a half, I was on my own, um, you know, like just doing life, just getting day by day. Um, it's quite tedious, really, because I was so bored. I'm such an upbeat person and being <laughs> confined in a situation like that is not good for me. <laughs> um, yeah. And then. Yeah.
0: So what was, what was hard about looking like trying to shift? Well, I can imagine, but <laughs> you're obviously trying to shift your life from that mm-hmm. kind of that just really symptom uh, focused place and, yeah. and waiting for, for something to kind of relieve yourself of those symptoms and then you have this you have this uh operation that makes you feel amazing like like bradley cooper um (laughs) but then trying to get back into work after that um and again kind of i mean you're you've almost gone through kind of a couple of identity challenges with that so when you were young like you just full-on going for everything then uh then things Started to go not quite the way you would have hoped, obviously. And that's, that's kind of changed your identity. And then you've, you've had all these symptoms for such a long period of time. And now they're gone. Your identity's got to change back again to almost like what you were, what yeah. you were like before all of the medical stuff started happening. And it's, it's got to be reasonably confronting for that because I mean, you, you can remember mm. what you were like at that point in time. Before you, before you started to have those symptoms, but the focus for so long has been on survival yeah. rather than, uh, thrive. I don't know if I like the word thrive, but um, yeah, yeah. surviving rather than kind of Just going and, and ex- going, yeah. living and exploring yeah. Yeah. life. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. No, yeah, it was it was it's yeah, it was a huge shift for me. I learned so much about myself Mm. under um, being sick.
0: Yeah. What were the big ones that you learned about yourself?
1: Um, Mainly, well, mainly I recognize my mental strength through it all. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially because going from such like being a driven and fast paced person to being completely stagnant, just staying still, Um, you know, you're, I really learnt and got into my mind a lot. Mm-hmm. In some respects, um, it's quite scary being in, in your mind so much, but you kind of get through challenges and you take things differently and understand things a lot more better as such. Yeah, I've found so this is
0: kind of giving you more insight into yourself. Yeah, with that as well, you spend a bit more time kind of sitting with things and yeah, almost. Like observing yeah. how you react to yeah. them.
1: Well, and and that's a, that's a, a huge thing that I learned was, um, you know, you can't control everything that happens in your life, but you can control how you react to it. Mm. And I, that was that was huge for me. Yeah, because well, I can't. I didn't. I didn't want to be sick. I didn't wish upon this. You know, I didn't wish this for myself. Mm. Um, and I could have, if I reacted in such a spiteful, horrible, negative way. I don't think I would have grown as much as I have. Mm-hmm.
0: Were there times that you did react badly to things? Like, was this was this something that you kind of uh, knew straight off the bat when you became unwell, that you're like, okay, I need to just keep my perspective upbeat <laughs> and happy and then um, I'm away laughing? Or was it something that kind of came to you over a period of time and trial and error?
1: Um, I... I've never really... I don't really have a negative, like, bone in my body as such. But, yeah, there there, there were testing times. Mm-hmm. Um, and a huge thing that I learned was because in any situation, you know, for anyone, you have those why me moments all the time. Um, and I, I, I did. I had those why me moments. And I was like, oh, you know, why did this have to happen to me? Why this? Why that? But throughout that time I switched that whole why me to this is me this is who I am and that really helped me because it's the journey that makes you as a person not the destination as such yeah so I yeah I would I would redo this in a heartbeat to become the person that I am yeah definitely um yeah I've always been a very positive person and a very optimistic person um which has been good in situations like this, but also you have to take a realistic approach to it. So, yeah. and the way I looked at it was, you know, prepare for the worst, but hope for the best as such. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that really, that really grew me a lot. So again, you know, so being uncomfortable is where you grow. Com- being comfortable is nice, but you don't really
0: grow and being comfortable. Yeah. Being, being, being comfortable is important sometimes as well. It's nice. It's nice to be comfortable. It's nice to sit there. And I I think being uncomfortable all the time isn't what the, isn't what the kind of uncomfortable is. Okay. The concept is about, but it's, as you say, it's where you learn the most about yourself. It's where you, we grow as a person. Um, and where you, yeah, you kind of f- find out about yourself and about yeah, life. Yeah, definitely, hmm.
1: definitely. Yeah, so a lot of mental strength has come through and a huge, a huge, like I've always known who I am, and who I want to be, kind of as, as a person. Um, and going through this not only grew me and not made me understand who I am, but it made me accept, accept everything. That I get that gets given to me you know I didn't want this out of hand but I got mm-hmm. it and um I think I'm dealing with it pretty well yeah and I'm so proud of myself that I have and I think that's so important is to be proud of who you are but also how you became the person you are and I I, I yeah I completely adore myself for what I've gone through and who I am yeah yeah and I think yeah self-love is huge
0: yeah yeah, I think it's a really important concept as well, and it's it's something that uh, most people don't do particularly well yeah. for most of the time, and yeah. I mean, other than going through what you've been through, if you were to give some tips or advice to the listeners about being proud of yourself from, Mm -hmm. from what you've learned going through this process, what would you suggest to them to, to do or to, to ask themselves to, to help love themselves?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I can only say from what I did Mm. and I listened to myself. I listened to my body. I tuned into what it needed with, um, you know, like passion, what I, love the most and also in some respect priorities of, you know, what's what's good now and what will be good for you later. Um I know that at this stage balance is huge for me. I think it's very important to do the things that need to be done, but also do the things that you know that's gonna nourish you. Even Mm -hmm. not in a you know, you don't have to you know, you can meditate if you want to. Like I've done a few meditations um but also like boxing as such is huge for me if i do one boxing session a day i am like the, like i can't get a smile off my face mm. and i know that's so good for me because i love it so i think if you find what you love and you continue to do it you don't have to do it day in and day out but if you f- make sure that you give time to yourself to do those things that you love i think that's really important um
0: mm. yeah yeah, yeah, I think I, I think so as well and I think I'm a lot happier when I'm when I'm scheduling in time to do the things that I really enjoy um or the things that I'm interested in or curious about and kind of potentially may develop into into things that I enjoy as well. Like I really I really enjoy sitting down and having conversations with people. <laughs> so it's really cool to to be able yeah. to sit here and and do that with with you as well. And I think when we, when we don't do that, um, like I had a day yesterday where, like, one of the, one of the things that I really, that I feel much better about as a person is m- some kind of movement or exercise mm. on a daily basis. And yesterday was a day where I don't really get that. Yeah. Like I got to the end of I got to like dinner time and I hadn't really done much moving, mm-hmm. um, and then I had some stuff to do in the evening as well, so I do I I wasn't going to be able to do that, so I just stopped and did like fifty press ups or something, and like it was, it I felt better afterwards, yeah. but it wasn't wasn't enough yeah. within I um I I think I mean that's just this is one example. There are a lot of little things that I really enjoy that make me better as a person. And I think it's about figuring out those things that kind of add to you as a person and make you show up as a, as a better person kind of on a, on a daily basis. I mean, it it feels, it feels better inside for you and like, you feel like, yeah, this is, this is good. I'm (laughs) top of my game with this. Um, But also kind of in that respect, if you're showing up, uh, if you're better as a person for yourself, you can show up better as a person for other people as well. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think like it, you make an important point about um, about the balance with that and yeah. making sure that we get enough of those things that nourish us as a person. Yeah. To kind of keep doing good stuff, and it's not, it's not, as you say, it's not stuff that you need to have every day yeah, yeah to do it but you need to have enough of it yeah otherwise i find that kind of yeah my, my energy levels drop i'm not as productive um i yeah i just don't show up as well for for other people yeah so i mean how i'm interested how do you how do you find that balance for yourself
1: um so i have only just recently, so um, I got re-diagnosed again at this this year. It grew back, um, which means I'll be going undergoing a fifth brain operation, um, the scariest one yet. And that was when I really sat down and I said to myself, "It's so important that you nourish yourself. You do the things you love, do the things that you need, and." just try your best at everything and know that you're trying your best. Um, so the, my balance is, I love physical activity. Obviously, we've talked about this. I love boxing. Boxing for me is, it's not only, it's it's giving me the physical, but it's also giving me the mental of, it's just such an intelligent sport of thinking. You know, it gets you thinking. But it also gets you moving. And you're also achieving something with yourself every time you come out of it. And that's to me is important. Um, I do. I know that I need to go back into yoga again and start stretching out my body, start meditating, and look and nourish me that way as well, quite soulfully. Um, but with my energy levels at this stage, it's quite hard to do that. Um, so I I was full time at work, and I've only recently just started going back to part uh, going to part time. Making sure that you know I'm doing everything that I need to do, pay my bills, do my rent, you know all that kind of stuff as an adult. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And but then I'm also giving time to myself to do all those things because I think the process of doing that is going to be so beneficial when I'm going to go through this fifth brain operation. Not only that, but I think it's going to recover me a lot better and quicker after as well. Mm. So that is. So I just sat down with myself and. I basically just spoke to myself and what I needed and what I needed to do to get me through this process, um, to keep me floating basically.
0: Yeah. 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 And and I think that's a, like, that's a really important point that you, that you make that you need to actually sit down and spend a little bit of time with yourself Mm. to, to figure this stuff out that, I mean, you can, there are people out there that can probably do it on the fly. And yeah. like, as you go, you're like, oh, wow, well, I like that. Let's, let's, let's do that. But if you do it that way, I find that it's, it's much harder to kind of keep it going on a consistent basis. Whereas yeah. if I sit down and I think, okay, cool. I really things that I enjoy. Like I really enjoy having conversations with people. I really enjoy spending some family time. I mm-hmm. really. I need to move, my body needs yeah. to move on a daily basis some way. <laughs> um, I need to make sure I get to sleep at a reasonable hour yeah. as well and kind of, and there are a few other things that I that I have in there as well, but if I didn't sit down um, and kind of write a plan, that Stuff just kind of becomes a little bit haphazard yeah. about how, it, how I fit it into my life and where I put it in there. Because, I mean, everyone lives a busy life. Yes. And to nourish yourself, you don't need to, I mean, you don't need to quit your job and yeah. go and kind of live on a retreat or a <laughs> commune or kind yeah. of sit in a cave at the top of your, <laughs> uh, top of the hill and drink spring water. Yeah. Um, but I think kind of the way, it, the way that most people live their lifestyles at the moment, mm-hmm. um, it's easier not to nourish yourself. Yes. Yeah. To,
1: f- to forget. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I think, um, yeah, for, for me and, yeah, for obviously for you as well, spending that time to to figure it out is so important. And I think with, with that as well, that it's, it's not just a one-off, mm. that what you're into and like what works for you changes over yeah. time. yeah. That like, I like stuff now. Like, I like capsicum now. I used to <laughs> hate capsicum. Oh, it's horrible. I was like, I eat it now. I was like, this is delicious. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So
0: kind of going through and reviewing that stuff on a kind of semi regular basis as well. Just saying, checking in. Oh, is this still working for me? Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Sweet. Let's do more of it. Uh, nah. Let's find something else or do, do less of, do less of that one is, is super important yes. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mind blanking, Renee. Mind blanking. <laughs> I had a, I had a segue that I wanted to go off onto. Um, I mean, you're other than like with with prepping for this this next operation or kind of awaiting awaiting yeah. it because I know that you don't know where when it is yet.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Other than doing the things that nourish yourself mm-hmm. that, you have, that you have identified how else are you dealing with kind of waiting for it to come
1: you know that's the hardest thing the hardest um, you know there's that whole saying of you know time heals but the thing is in certain situations too much time can destroy you, Is not destroy you as a person but it can have quite a negative impact on you which I'm fully aware of. Um, the waiting game is is definitely hard because, again, you're you're out of you know you're not in control of something, and that's when that whole you know you've got to do all these little things to take back the control that you don't have. Um, but no, honestly, balance and just doing things that you love really heightens your life. And that, I, that's that's all I know. That's what I do, and that's what's working for me. Um, I it's I do I do this this thing where I just chuck myself in the deep end. Like I'll be like, oh, I've always wanted to do this, and then I'm like, I'm gonna go do it. So I'm doing things that I wouldn't, you know, that I would always second guess myself. But now I'm doing things that I'm again putting myself in an uncomfortable position mm. to fulfill. This part of my life.
0: Yeah, I mean, what's what's the process that you use for approaching that those uncomfortable situations? So you feel the fear. Mm. Like, do is there something that you tell yourself at that point to get you over the line and make you start, or is there something like a way that you approach or a thing that you do?
1: I just go. I, I, I basically my the thing that goes into my head is Renee, just do it. Um. Through that throughout this time this is probably what it's connected to is I've really learned to trust myself because you're you're the only person in this life that you know you sh- you need to trust you can't trust anyone else well you can is to a certain degree but you you are the only person that you can fall back on as yourself
0: mm-hmm.
1: with everything you know everyone has a choice everyone um, you want to do all these things and to do it you have to trust yourself that you're going to do it or that you're going to get there We're even just making the first step. So I've always had my own back. And so when I put myself in a situation that is fearful and that I'm completely nervous about, I just go, trust yourself and do it. And that's, literally, it gives me goosebumps just thinking about it and then I just do it. I don't look at the fear of it. I look at what's behind the fear. I look at the outcome of it. So... Like even even doing this, I was quite mm. even yeah, yeah, you knew yeah, yeah, that I was, yeah, I was quite yeah, nervous about yeah. this.
0: So you kind of looking at things on 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 the other side of yeah. fear when you say behind the fear, rather than hey, what are the drivers of this yeah. fear for me? Okay, yeah. cool.
1: I don't look. I don't look at you know what if this happens or what if that happens mm-hmm. or what if this goes wrong. You know, and the thing is, if if things do which things do go wrong, and you know, but then again, you just deal with what's been wrong and you learn from it. So yeah, I I just I kind of just dive in, don't really let myself think about it, and I just deal with it when on the other end. Mm,
0: Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, and I think I mean you make another really cool point about trust there and trusting yourself with it, and I think um, obviously going through. A process like this there are a lot of uncomfortable things along the way and a lot of challenges that you have had to face that you have overcome Mm -hmm. and you've built that trust in yourself as well and there I mean there are people out there that um that haven't had a whole lot of challenges that they'll need to face so they I think some there's a lot of struggle with trusting yourself out there and I think like for For people that want to try and build that trust in themselves, one of the best things that they can do is to start with something really small, like a really small challenge is, um, is, I mean, maybe if you're, if you kind of always go the same way to work, Mm. then, um, and it makes you, it's nice and comfortable and it makes you slightly uncomfortable to go a different way just take that different way even if it's just by a by a block and yeah. and just start to get uncomfortable start to build a yeah. bit of trust in yourself that doing something different yeah. is is going to be okay and kind of once you've taken that first step that second step gets easier mm. and then the third and then so on and then you yeah. do whatever you want
1: pretty much <laughs> yeah well yeah and that, well the thing that comes along with trust is confidence mm-hmm. because when you trust yourself over and over again and you continue to do the things that you know are fearful you become confident within yourself not within a situation but just within any situation because you your confidence comes within not with whatever's happening so yeah I I've learned to really trust myself I've learned to have my back I've learned to be proud of myself as well so rewarding yourself is just even self-talk to yourself um also just gives you the confidence to do the things that become uncomfortable because you carry it with you you know so yeah it's, mm-hmm. that's a huge thing that I've learnt
0: yeah yeah that is yeah. that is massive yeah. um, Renee what was the last uncomfortable thing that you did and how did you get through it
1: the last uncomfortable thing I did was come out to everyone about my illness I was so terrified of people looking at me differently or just thinking like, I just didn't want to be, I didn't want people to feel sorry for me. I don't want people, I don't want people's sympathy or anything. And I, I didn't want them to worry. Um, so yeah, I, my friend um, actually put up a Facebook page. She did a give a little cause I was struggling financially, obviously with not working for a good solid two years but to do that I had to tell my story and that was frightening for me. I was in hiding for a year and a half of it and when it came out not only just to a few people it came out to the world because I ended up going on paper for the week the Dominion I did articles for stuff and NZ Herald and I really it, when I got when she put it on online on Facebook I panicked. I turned off my phone, I shut the door and I was just so scared of people and what they were going to think. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was very scary for me.
0: Did you, did you know that she was going to put it online before she put yeah. it up with it yeah. wasn't a surprise? No, no, okay, she, she, I was good. there, but <laughs> yeah, she, she,
1: right. she was, it was, it was one of those moments. She asked me for a good three weeks, can I mm-hmm. do this for you? Mm-hmm. And I know her heart was in a beautiful place to do so. And I was like shaking my head no but saying yes because <laughs> I, I just and she's like I'm not gonna do it until you say yes And then I finally said yes because I looked beyond that panic moment and that fear of it and the first few days obviously of being uncomfortable to what it may bring to what my story may bring to other people mm. And that's how I got through that was I know I'm telling a story and I know people are going to see the raw truth of it all. But in some respect, it's going to help somebody else that's maybe going through it. And that really enlightened me. That really, um, really made me mm. do it. It's, uh, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And I, th- I, I think in, like another uh, point of telling your story as well, and I don't know um, if you've been getting this as well, but actually like if, every time we tell a story that is – of traumatic for us as well is that it helps us heal a little yeah. bit from it as well and yeah. I was talking to a guy um Eric Hodgdon, uh a couple of podcasts ago and he's got a he's got a pretty traumatic story as well um but he was saying that every time he tells his story he gets something different from it yeah. that helps him heal in a in a slightly different way
1: yeah mm. definitely and the support was overwhelming like Crying of happiness, overwhelming. It was. It was. It was the most. Yeah, it was incredible to see, um, just old friends and people that like my orthodontist sent me flowers. Yeah.
0: (laughs) What sort of relationship do you have with your orthodontist? (laughs) That's what I mean. It's
1: like it's. It was. It was. You know what? Like, the people. How people have looked at my story and now look at me is a true reflection of how I am. And have been to them, so it's a reflection of yourself, really. Mm. And that's and I and I think that's where I realised that you know I don't expect anything out of this, but to hope that it touches somebody in a really nice and positive light. Mm. Yeah,
0: very cool. What's the next uncomfortable thing that you're going to do, and why is that uncomfortable for you?
1: The next uncomfortable thing. Um, I want to get back into the ring. I want to fight. I want to go back into my passion. Mm -hmm. Um, And the uncomfortable thing about that is I've already told myself I'd never do it again. And I told my family I'd never do it again because I looked into the priorities of my life. And I've undergone, you know, traumatic surgeries and you know, life-saving operations. But my, now that I, the what I've just gone through the last few months in a growing aspect of things is, um, you know, having a passion is something that should be in your life. And that's something that you should live for. So I shouldn't let my illness control my life and control my passions and what I should and shouldn't be doing. You know, it, I shouldn't be working around my illness. My illness should be working around me. And again, if I don't fight and if I do have another moment where I'm like, you know, maybe you shouldn't, I would definitely get into coaching and I would definitely put that, my passion and my love for a sport into hopefully somebody else that has the same.
0: Awesome. That is very cool. Now we've touched on this uh, kind of multiple times already, but I'm just wondering: Do you have any other strategies that you use when you're approaching uncomfortable situations?
1: Oh, um, pros and cons lists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is <laughs> all well, you know? Um, not really. It's not not really. I. It's mainly, you know, it's. If you're not ready for it, then, you know, know, if if you're really not ready for it, then listen to yourself that you may not be ready for it yet. Mm. And that I, I, you know, completely, you should completely understand that as well. Um, But I, there's a quote that I love and it says, doing the right thing doesn't always feel good. Mm. So again, you know what you want to do and you know things how to get there, but and you know it's the right thing for yourself, and you But the uncomfortable thing is you're scared, and you're f- you're f- afraid of this, or you're afraid of that, and you're looking at all the, the the bad about what could happen. But then you're not looking at what the good things that can happen, mm. in approaching this, yeah, and how you know everything that you go through in life, and everything that you put your foot forward with. If it falls back on you, you learn from it. You know, and that's, and I think that's where strength comes from. It's okay to be on a rocky road. It's how you deal with being on a rocky road is what, where you grow.
0: Mm. Yeah. It's not about that. Very cool. Three. Yeah. Very cool. Renee, I've got one more question for you, but before I ask it, actually, I have got two more questions for you. <laughs> um, before I ask them, I just want to say thanks very much for, coming and having a sit down with me this evening it's been really cool to to sit down and have a chat and connect with you but also thank you so much for for the strength that you show to to tell your story to help teach the lessons that you've learned from what you've been through to other people and kind of deliver deliver that positive message and deliver that learning so thank you so much for that
1: Thank you thank you for having me that's right it has
0: been a pleasure um now if people want to connect with you mm-hmm. if they want to find out a little bit more about you what's what's the best way for them to do that
1: it's really as as the usual it's just facebook and yeah.
0: instagram basically cool yeah that's the easiest way cool 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 <laughs> um renee What's a um? What's a challenge that you'd like to leave me and the listeners with this week?
1: A challenge. A challenge. Do something that you've always been afraid of doing.
0: Cool, I like that one. <laughs> Renee, thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with me today.
1: <laughs> thank you.
0: There you have it, team. Uh, I hope you enjoyed Renee's story and and her insights. Um, she is a pretty impressive young lady. Um, pretty strong, pretty resilient, and it's awesome to, that she's sharing what she's learned from, from going through all these tough times, uh, with us as well. It's, it's very cool to, for her to be able to do that with us. Um, so, again, guys, if you are wanting to, to learn how to make simple yet professional videos, head over to www.howtomakesimplevideos.com. Uh, enter the discount code uncomfortable at checkout. You'll get a hundred bucks off the course. Will and the guys will kick us a little bit of commission change as well, um, which just kind of helps out with hosting and everything. So you get a wicked course. Uncomfortable is okay. Get some, some money for hosting and things. Um, but in saying that, if you're not into making videos, there are a couple of other ways you can support the show. Uh, the easiest way is to share it out with your mates. Um, pop it out on social media. Tell your mum about it. Tell your neighbor about it. Um, water cooler chat. It's all good. Um, also, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app um, so you get the new episode coming out every Tuesday where we do an interview and at least for the next six weeks. You're going to get a short five minute episode on Friday. Uh, just me having a little bit of a chat, giving you guys a bit of information about getting uncomfortable and about things that I've learned as well. Um, love to hear some feedback on that. If you, if you like it, if you don't like it, what I should call it as well. Um, because I, I'm a bit stuck for a name on that episode at the moment. Um, Also, if you're you're into it, uh, you can donate a couple of bucks to the show via our Patreon account, www.patreon.com slash uncomfortable is okay. But yeah, watch out for that episode coming out on Friday. And I will also see you again next Tuesday with another interview with the awesome Lucy O'Connor from Monday Hustle. But thank you guys for getting uncomfortable with Renee and I today.